welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 267. The Bone Collector Seminar from the 2019 NWTF Convention. And I am your host and the guy who killed another doe with the air rifle this past Sunday morning. More on that in just a minute, but right now we are exactly 100 days, 8 hours, 43 minutes, and 22 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this past Sunday morning, I went to my property south of Birmingham and was sitting on one of my food plots. And at around 7.30, I see a deer walk out into the food plot and walk over to my feeder. And there were two more with her. They got a little bit nervous after a couple of minutes and they walked off. I wasn't real upset with that because I didn't really have it in my mind to shoot a deer that morning. I'm trying to save some does to use as lure to attract some bucks because our rut will not start there for, oh, another 40 days. So I'm sitting there just waiting for something else to happen. And out of the corner of my eye, I see some movement and there's another deer and another one and another one. And then the first three come back out and then four come out and then three more come out. There were 13 deer all kind of milling around the feeder at one point all does well so a mixture of does and fawns but when I saw that many does I thought all right there's one out of the bunch that is terribly skinny skinny to the point where you can count ribs and I thought okay I'll take that doe so I get my ear rifle up I must have been on that deer five different times and any time that she was standing still there was another deer behind her so if she was still there's another deer behind her if she was moving she was moving fast enough to where I wasn't comfortable trying to get a lung shot on her because I didn't really feel like there was much of a reason to rush so eventually I got the opportunity and there's another deer harvested with the air gun more deer in the freezer. So not only did I kill one Sunday, but my dad killed one Saturday afternoon and my brother killed one Friday afternoon. So it was a pretty productive weekend for the Galeanos. All right, I've got a quick intro and outro and a slight change of plans for you guys this week. 
Last week I mentioned I was going to have three interviews from nominees for the board of directors for the NWTF. Well, I could not get all three of the nominees that I wanted on the phone this week. So my plan is to bring that to you next week. But this week I have for you guys the seminar that the bone collectors did at the NWTF convention and sports show in Nashville in February of this year. Since I'm actually on my big December guys hunt where we are chasing rabbits, squirrels, and deer, you and I are going to jump right into the seminar and I'll see you briefly on the other side. Well, how's everybody doing? Good. Man, I'm going to tell you, man, I, thank y'all for coming out and uh, thanks for all the families represented here, you know, today. I mean, every year this thing grows, it gets bigger and bigger and uh, and thank y'all for treating us like family. And I mean that. Like, like I've, I've, we've never ever considered anybody our fans. Y'all, 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 our family, man. Y'all always treated us like like family. And hope if you get a chance to come by the Bone Collector booth, hope y'all feel like family. You know when y'all come by to see us. But man, there's so much to celebrate. You know, to see all these healthy youngins and some of you guys bringing y'all's beautiful wives. Y'all guys do pretty old good. Yeah. Not bad for a bunch of over hey, are overachievers. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. But uh. We didn't have a, a just a set agenda what to talk about. We just want to talk about what y'all want to talk about. And obviously, I uh, really don't need many introductions. To my left over here is one of my best friends in the world. He's uh, Travis T-Bone Turner, our, the best archery rich in the town. Y'all give it up for T-Bone. <laughs> and over here, uh, he used to be... You should could find him at any bachelor party in the country. He was uh, typically had his foot caught in the fun wheel. He was like a gypsy everywhere, hunting, fishing. He was single, but ladies, Nick Munn is tied to knot, and he's an officially like the rest of us men. We, he's got chores around the house and take out the trash. My voice is a little Exactly. So uh, to my right is another great friend of mine from uh, from the Dakotas, out in Spearfish. Here's uh, Nick Munt here. Y'all give it a look And without a, he needs no introduction, or the man that is in here in the middle, the bone collector sandwich, if you will, Mr. Michael Waddell, the National Wild Turkey Federation spokesperson. call him Wadsworth, Guadalupe, he's got a lot of names, but by the end of this seminar you're going to call him Martin Luther Waddell. I can't <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot you, man. We, we're, we're so excited to be here. Again, got my family down. Y'all might have seen uh, my little boy Waylon. He's two. Uh, Nick's, Nick's got his little girl. She's two as well. Della, she's running around down there with his wife Mallory. And, I know T-Bone brought his whole family out, his wife Michelle, and his son Archer is here. They probably uh, have spent every bit of his money he's made the last two years down at that cool zone. Uh, hey, have y'all been down to that cool zone yet? Have anybody been down there? Who's climbed the wall down there yet, anybody? Come on, man. I had to show him it's like a jacked up ladder stand. I jumped right up it yesterday. I've been working for you all day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's so much to talk about, and, and, and definitely anytime anybody has a question, raise your hand. Like I said, there's a lot, lot we can discuss and talk about, but so good to be back here in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and celebrate hunting, man. It's, it's crazy if you look back the last couple years, and really where the hunting industry's been, it's been somewhat of a crazy last several years as far as what's happened politically. Um, obviously, uh, 
Lord have mercy. You know, it's funny. I never would have thought that hunting would be politically incorrect, but it's it's become that. And uh, you see it all across the board. These celebrities, they can't post a picture of a turkey. They can't even affiliate, even having a chance to go hunt with us a lot of times. It's funny. And so uh, it, it's amazing how... I guess it'd be, you know, liberal, extreme liberal or radical liberal left is just a guy to where it's just really impossible to do certain things. But if it's not for shows like this, if it's not for people like us speaking up and showing up and proving what kind of assets we all are to not just hunting but to an America. I mean, for me, the way I look at it is if I had to bet on, you know, the winning team, man, I'm looking out here at a bunch of men and women I know work. And work hard. And I shake y'all's hands, man. I'm 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 insecure because they're callous, man. Y'all work with your hands. Y'all work hard every day. And I know there's a lot of different uh, careers that y'all represent out here. But the number one thing is what I like about this room and here is and really this whole show is everybody here when they bring their money to spend, you bring your money that by God you made through your hard work. You ain't asking no handout, and so that's why. Nobody here is looking for a handout. Now, I know, obviously, if they have three turkey calls, somebody wants to get us a little off table. I mean, they want me to give a run there. That's a different, That's a different kind of handout. That's exactly right. Or the keys to a hunting gate. That's the best handout we can get. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but there's so much, so much we can talk about. But uh, I know Nick and T-Bone got a lot they'd like to share. But also, too, if there's anything... You know, that, that y'all have thought, like, man, I wish if I'd ever meet Nick and T-Bone or Waddy, I wish I could ask them this. Maybe it's about a place to hunt. You know, maybe it's about, it can be, you know, something about maybe we've seen that, that we've experienced. Maybe it is, you know, an instructional something that, you know, we've been pretty blessed to hunt a lot of different places. So, obviously, we have our own opinions of what we like about them and some of the better places go chase big whitetail, whether it's public ground, private ground, same with elk. So, uh, so obviously, we, we want to make sure... And whatever it is y'all want to know or want to ask us, we'll give y'all that opportunity. So. Yeah, if anybody has any questions, anybody got one right away? Go ahead. I'm going to attempt bow hunting turkey this year. Give me a couple of three tips to get started on. Well, I, I like bow hunt turkeys a lot myself, and um, as far as I'm concerned, you know. If you, it just depends on what you do, how big your property is. If you want to run and gun and, and set up like you normally would, you want to set up with a blind and a decoy, that's that's the best. So what I what I always do, and I, I've been super, super successful at it, is uh, get some cameras out early, kind of figure out where your birds are chilling and hanging, and uh, get out there, get your blind set up, and time spent is key. Get you a couple of good decoys. And uh, I'd, put your de I'd put your decoys close to the front of your blind. I always put mine out about seven yards. Then it's pretty tough to miss. Um, but one thing I think a lot of people make when you first start hunting turkeys with a bow is try not to shoot them kind of high in the breast because they, they get away on you. I like to shoot them right at the top of the thighs. Um, take out their thighs and drop them to the ground. They can't get air under the wings to fly off. Plus if you hit a little bit high, then you just take out their, you know, you take out their guts and it's over. But I think the biggest thing when you're hunting out of a blind is just get into an area where turkeys can come out from a long ways away and see your setup and they're gonna to come to it. And I think you'll have a lot of success at it because just sitting in one spot, you don't spook turkeys. Because where I, where I live now, I've got two little pieces of ground I can hunt. One's 80 acres and one's like 125 acres. And I can't run and gun and move around because if they spot me, it's over and they're not gonna be back for a while. So I sneak in. Um, I typically have a blind already set up because I've had a camera there early um, and 
right about at this time of year, kind of when the when the when the end of the season or the seasons before the season starts, I put out a little bit of feed just to kind of figure out where stuff's at, and then uh, just literally spend as much time as you can, get your decoys out, call very little. All you got to do is just let them know where you're at because then they're going to come out into the field, they're going to see the decoys, and they're going to come to them. And to me, it's to me it's pretty dang easy way to hunt turkeys. Um, it's not as exciting as, as running and gunning, but go ahead. There are certain way you need to position your decoys for better bow hunting? I have the best luck with a hen out in the front, a jake, a jake decoy in the kind of pre-breeding position with his head kind of cocked back a little bit. I like to put him just a little bit behind her, kind of quartered away. And it just seems like when those birds come in, they're going to come around and they're going to try to get right in front of him. They're going to get right in his face. So position your decoy where that bird's going to be right in front of you. And like I said, closer to me is better. You don't want to put them at 20 yards because they're just that margin for error. Because sometimes they come in real super slow. If it's a single time, he'll come in and he'll strut around real slow. If two or three of them come in together, you know, sometimes they'll you know, run around. So it's a little bit tougher. So a closer shot is always best. And I think you'll have a lot of success at it if you got if you got birds in your in your little area that you're hunting. It's it's pretty fun. Another thing I'll add to, to bow hunting if you do decide to do it out of a blind, you know, hunt out of a blind, which like Nick said, I think that's the best higher odds. Heck, you don't want to steal that chair to them. But um, I, you know, you don't have to worry about where you put your blind. You can put it right out in the middle of a field. Those turkeys pay no attention. I mean, no attention. Um, so obviously that blind, even though it's big and you can buy a bunch of different. Um, kinds of blinds it is the turkeys don't mind it at all they don't pay any attention to it so, so whether you're deer hunting them kind of or you're running and gunning and i know a lot of people they'll still run and gun and they'll have a blind they'll pop up real quick me personally i've never been i've bow hunted quite a bit for turkeys i've never liked that style of sitting and waiting because i like i really like to i guess i spend so much time deer hunting that i'm just sitting waiting that finally i look forward to spring where i can kind of be on the offense and I'm, I'm being more aggressive and so uh you can still do it without a blind and and my goal was to to kill a, a grand slam out of the blind just just because i want to do it like i would do with a shotgun and you can do that but i think the key to that even that even even hunting if you're on open air or by a tree or whatever the key still is put your decoys if you're going to use decoys put them close and put them off to the edge but you want those turkeys as close as possible in the last several years, with you know a lot of the video footage you see, it's proven that you can get away with more than you realize because once they commit to a gobbler decoy, especially, they're coming in such a mad aggression that a lot of times they're so focused on it, you have an opportunity to still get drawn back. And, and the toughest thing I found with bow hunting turkeys is not necessarily getting a gobbler within range or even coming to full draw. It's actually making an efficient shot. One of the reasons I don't hunt a lot with a bow is because you know, a lot of you guys might have done it before. You can get an air in them, but you will lose a lot of turkeys. And so I think the key is getting them as close as you can for me. And, and preseason scouting is key. If you can get some cameras out and figure out where they're hanging in the afternoons or after they fly off the roost and breathe in the morning and come out to a field, that's the, that's the key of the whole thing is you want to be where you know they're already going to be. And using uh, sight and distance to where if they come out on a power line or somewhere far away, if they come out to look on that power line, they can see your, your decoys from a long ways away, and I think that'll really help you a lot. And always get, scout your buddy's turkeys first. <laughs> <laughs> but preseason scouting's huge, because if, you, if you're seeing turkeys in an area every day, you say four o'clock, they're coming into this field, get your butt out there at 1.30, get set up, wait on them, and just don't overcall. Just a few little calls to let them know you're there, and they'll come.
Yeah, something to add to what Waddell was saying about the efficiency of killing them with a bow. I would um, kind of add a lot of people shoot them, uh, you know, try to shoot their body, but we you know when they're blowed up and they're strutting, they're so three-dimensional. So they're almost like a hefty sack. So it's kind of hard to see where their vitals are and their vitals are so small. Um, what the few times that I have bow hunted for them, I've always, uh, and I've read so much about it and a lot of people that I've talked to have done this, but their head is about the same size as their vitals in their body and trying to pinpoint where their vitals are and get that and them not flying off. So um, what I would encourage someone to do is to aim for their head. One, you got something to aim at. If you miss, you miss. And if you hit it, you're gonna kill it. So, uh, you know, I'd rather much rather have a, a, a clean miss as to wound a turkey and then never recover it because it flew off. Nobody faces away from me where all those feathers come together in the back. There's that little thing about that big right there. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, hit there too. That's a, that's a good shot. <laughs> sure. Texas heart shot, right? <laughs> <laughs> any of y'all got any more questions? Um, my woman got me in turkey hunting two years ago. Um, so year one, I just wore my whitetail hunting clothing. Uh -huh. And clearly, uh, inside of a blind, it's the, it's the, it's the you know, solid black kind of absorb that color. Right. And about the day after turkey season ended, I read an article that said, wear black and blind. Mm -hmm. uh, any thoughts on that? Black and it, blind, you know. I think black and the blind is great. I think, I mean, it, I don't know what it is. It's always blowing my mind, like crows uh, <coughs> and turkeys, how, and really even deer. I mean, I, ground blind hunting to me is, it's been, I think it's revolutionized how, how we can go about it, even for white-tailed deer. Right. There's something about, and, and I'm, I'm not a, a biologist or somebody that understands right. the retina and what they see. Obviously, I know turkeys are really big. Obviously, their, their eyesight's the number one defense. Right. It's also one thing that, man, I've learned as a turkey hunting over the years, especially how now aggressive you can go at them, yeah. how you can manipulate their eyesight. I mean, right. they're really, I hate to say it, but I mean, a turkey is, they're, they're, they're just yeah. horny or hungry. That's all they're worried about. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's, I don't know a, a, a polite way to say it other than that. I don't even, you know, the thing I found in those blinds, you don't even, you, when you get back in the shadows, you, you, you can, if you got black, you don't, you don't even wear a head net in there. Yeah, yeah. Just disappear. And I decided to run the gun, pull the top off, camo underneath, yeah. and then yeah. camo. Yeah, you, you, yeah, no, that works great. The thing great. about it, too, is like what he said earlier. When they come in and they commit to the decoys, I mean, you can you can do jumping jacks in the blind. Yeah. I mean, they're usually locked in and yeah. they're coming hard, so it really doesn't matter, you know, what kind of, what, what, what you got on your face or anything, because... Yeah. They're just so locked in when they come in there, you can do whatever you want. And there's something about the way that shadow is. They don't see, because I, I tell you what I've noticed as much as turkeys is crows. You know, it's illegal to, to bait in Georgia for deer. And I've had, you know, look, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't run no macho man contest. If it's legal to throw out corn, I'm going to throw it out, son. <laughs> and, uh, and I notice a lot of guys. I get tickled at you know. A lot of head shaking. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, I've noticed too, blowing with them blinds, it's crows. You know, crows are land out there, and y'all don't have to slip a crow with you. You can't, I mean, you ain't gonna flip up on no crow. They can see like a turkey or whatever. And those crows would just sit out there and be 10 yards, and you can just be in there talking and whatever, playing on your iPhone, and they just, like they don't see you. Yeah, you can feel, yeah. So those blinds are unbelievable, even for deer hunting, especially on these kids. I do, and I, and I tell you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and on deer, I don't think turkeys it matters. I tell you what, I have learned with deer. And watch the sun too. Yeah, sometimes that sun will come in on you. And what I've learned too is like, if, if you're gonna, like especially for deer and blinds, 
Another thing, I, I, you know, you, 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 the fun part of it is you want to brush it in, but it's not necessary. I've set up some blinds in the middle of a food plot. I mean, absolutely in the middle of a food plot. I mean, the deer get used to it and they come out, no different than a big shooting house. And what I will do though, if you're gonna, is when you get in it, go ahead and let the windows down that you feel like you're gonna make your shots out of because if it's all of a sudden it's closed and then the day you go hunt it, then it's got these big black, very obvious holes in it. They still can't see you, but I think the blind itself then spooks them. So go ahead and get the blind. Yeah, it I is frustrating times because sometimes you have birds or- For deer especially. For deer especially. Turkeys, it don't matter. I mean, a turkey ain't the sharpest joker out there, but it's amazing how aggravating they can be, you know, when it comes to- But a ground blind is just, I mean, you see all the TV shows now that are using them. I mean, they've just, it's just revolutionized hunting because, I mean, how many people 20 years ago, you went to a spot with just a bunch of brush, it was like, well, there's no trees, I can't get in the tree, how am I gonna kill anything here? Now you can take a blind, put it right into the brush, brush it in, you're good to go. Um, so you got a big cornfield, the deer coming out into a cornfield, there's no way to, to get out there. Now you just brush the blind right into the corn stalks, cut the corn out in front, I mean, it's just, they're phenomenal, so. I mean, we've killed all kinds of stuff out of blinds. I shot an elk in Oregon out of a redneck blind this year out of, out of water hole, so pretty amazing. Wow. Any more yeah. questions? What's the worst hunt you ever had? What's the best hunt you ever had? The worst and the best? Man, it's, it's funny. Some, sometimes, uh, and I have to think about that. I, I mean, the, the best ones are, are easy, obviously. Uh, and I guess the worst ones are, too. That, you know, I was talking about this the other day. I was telling them, somebody the other day, you know, as far as hunts I've been on, I haven't been on any hunt. I've been on some hunts to where you get there and, and maybe it was a, a friend or an outfit or sell you something that just turned out to be not even close to what it was. I think we've all been on those hunts. Or maybe you get in a hunting club and you think it's going to be this or that. And, you know, man, ain't nobody turkey hunting. Hey, man, don't nobody turkey hunting. You're like, dude, I'm, that's the main reason I'm getting this club. You show up that Saturday morning, there's 30 people hunting the same 200 acres trying to hear a turkey call. We're like, yeah, nobody turkey hunts, right? So, I mean, we've all experienced that. But for me, probably the uh, only hunts I can think of looking back that, that was kind of turned out to be not so good were those ones in out-of-country experiences where the civil unrest become, you know, like, wow, this is kind of, you know, spooky. You know, whether it was a trip to Africa or, you know, even down in Mexico a few times, it's, it's gotten kind of, you know, weird in a couple of occasions. And then that's when you just, it's not even about the animal. You think, holy cow, get my butt back to America. <laughs> you know, you realize, like I always talk to Jim Shockey, I'm like, you have lost your freaking mind. You can be killed hunting an anteater in Cambodia. It's, it's crazy, man. I'm like John Wayne, run around like John Wayne. And so for me, that, that's the hunts that, even though they kind of turn out to be weird, me and Nick been on a few times, and when we were younger, I mean, we're still, we're in our 40s now, but Nick and I especially, and T-Bone would always be game to, to do a lot of stuff, but Nick and I seemed like we'd always have, like, hey, man, we're going to try this. I mean, this, this goofball went to, where was that? You went to some Afghanistan company. Yeah, Pakistan, yeah. I mean, what, what idiot goes to Pakistan <laughs> to hunt? Unless you're an Army Ranger or a Special Ops. Never know what you get to shoot. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, some of those countries you get, like I was in Botswana one time or South Africa, and they stole all my money. I had, had like an idiot, I had my money in a bank envelope. And they stole all my money. And then police had pulled us over, which didn't have police 
uniforms on. They was dressed as civilians, but they was trying to get more money out of me, and I didn't have no more money. Well, then it gets mouthy in a country where they don't like us anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't know what I was saying. I sure didn't know what they were saying. But I was really saying, I don't have any more money. You know, like, I mean, take what you want. I ain't got nothing. So, you know, a situation like that are kind of spooky that turn out to be, you start realizing, well, I don't care what I hunt. I just, I kind of want to get home. And, you know, and so for me, a lot of those hunts have helped me realize that, man, I, America's unbelievable. Matter of fact, that's, that kind of stuff has helped me realize why, not to get political, now I know why socialism don't work. You know, when you're over in Botswana and everybody around there is out there, you know, chipping on an ebony bowl trying to sell it to me for $10 and it's worth, you know, $700 in the States and they're all sitting around for somebody to kill the fatted calf in town. That would suck. And I think that's what's happening in America. So, you know, it's like, man, you, know, just go, you can raise your own cow. You can go shoot your own deer. And if you go to work, you can go buy chicken in the grocery store. You know, I'm not sitting around like, man, I wonder if I'm going to show I'm hungry. Hope to kill that goat today. You know, so that's, that's where I realized even quite about politics. Like, this don't work, you know. And me and Nick showed up in, in Botswana one time, you remember, and had a load of elephant meat and uh so i've never been like excited or wanted to hunt an elephant but we had a friend of ours that, that had bought one fifty thousand dollars he spent to go hunt this elephant and uh all the money went to build schools and buy funeral tents and chairs for the for so many families that were dying of aids it was unbelievable and and so all of the elephant goes they they basically rotate the villages and so all the meat goes to those village villages and so we loaded them up on an old Massey Ferguson tractor with a trailer on the back. I'm talking about an old hay trailer. And we, we carving this elephant up and throwing the meat on the back of this trailer. Dirt, I mean, you know, it wasn't super clean. It was part of it. It was all just, just cutting chunks off of it. No, no rhyme or reason to the madness of it. We cut a big chunk of elephant meat, throw it in there. You don't move elephant once he hits the ground. And we got, I don't know, we got a whole trailer full of this. I don't know how many. I mean, it's full. Thousand. thousand. Thousands of pounds, yeah, yeah. two hundred pounds of And we, we we leave, and we got about an hour and a half drive to get to this village that's going to get the meat, and we're going to meet with their chief there. And uh, the whole way, uh, there was people running out of the brush, jumping and attacking our trailer to try to steal a piece of elephant meat. And if, and if any of your husbands brought home a piece of this elephant meat for you to cook them, you'd run them out of the house. You know what I mean? Tastes like an old wallet. Yeah, we tried to eat it, and it, and I can tell you right now, son, it made old liver. <laughs> like you get excited about eating liver and onions if you don't like it. But um, we get to the village and we get there and pull up and I ain't lying. Nick was there. There was a line like coming into this registration. There was a line of people out there with bowls and pieces of tinfoil and there was in line mostly ladies in the village getting, getting wanting a piece of elephant meat and the, the chief comes running up to me and says, this is not enough meat. I said, it's an elephant. That's all we can do. It's the best we can do. You, know? you, can't, you can't find an animal that has more meat. Yeah, exactly. This is it. It's not enough meat. I said, well, we couldn't harpoon you a whale on the way. And, and so I realized right quick, a lot of these anti-hunters and, and stuff, and here it is, you know, we're, we're all blessed out here where, you know, usually you kill enough deer to where, you know, you put two or three in your freezer and your family eats it, and typically there's always a family or two. Um, no matter what the social structure, where they're at, you know, economically, you, you give them, you give them a deer, and you can provide a lot of meat for a lot of people. I mean, they're fighting, they're they're fighting over meat, and and, and if you shut that down, and somebody don't go hunt that elephant, it, they don't have a school, they don't have a funeral home, they don't have tents, they don't have a, a way to dig a grave. So I learned a lot about politics just hunting over there. Some of those hunts were were kind of 
spooky for me. And then some of the best hunts, there's no doubt the best hunts for me was uh, probably my favorite all-time hunt was when I took my dad on, on that, that first elk hunt and he killed that elk with a bow. Just, just all the hard work he'd done for me as a kid and him and mom. And you know, I was in a place to where I could finally financially afford to, to buy him a private ground Colorado elk hunt in a really good spot where I'd seen the Primo's guys hunt, you know. And so when he shot that bull, man, I cried. I was just... I was just on cloud nine, so that was probably my, my favorite hunt. And I, and I think that's cool. One thing cool about most hunters is, you know, I got my favorite things that I've shot, but it seems like, and, and you know, as older I get, the more sentimental I am about seeing somebody else do something. So it means as much to see my kids succeed. And even some of the trophies I've been in camp with these guys, you know, and, and vice versa then with me, you know, Nick and T-Bone were both in camp when I shot my biggest buck I'd ever shot on a piece of ground that I'd saved and saved and bought in Kansas, you know, and, so like we were just high five and i learned something about hunting if you hunt with buddies that ain't proud of you and you know when you do find success in hunting hell ain't you buddy and i think that's a problem we got in the hunting industry you know it's, it's nice to have people that are fired up for you and want to celebrate you know they they, they want they want to crack open a, a cold beer around the fire and celebrate if you killed a deer you've been after and really a big one or a little one and so uh so i've been i guess my biggest blessing hunting has been I've always had a group of buddies and friends and a family that, you know, we've always lifted each other up and picked on each other really, really hard when we do screw up because we've all missed plenty. So, uh, so that's kind of my favorite and, and worst all in all in one. And I think for sure the, uh, the the good hunts outweigh the bad ones by a long, long ways. I mean, I can only think of really a couple of them in my whole life hunts that I went on that I could actually say were bad, um, but. The good ones have far outweighed, and and like Michael said, been able to hunt a couple of times with my dad. Uh, he and I went to Russia together and shot some big brown bears. And then this past season, um, we always do a, a big youth hunt at the Navajo Nation, and then we do an elk hunt and a mule deer hunt there. And Michael allowed me to take my dad on, on the elk hunt this year, so my dad and I both shot really nice bulls. And then we went up to the youth hunt and had a great hunt. And, you know, it's just experiences like that. You know, getting to take your family and. Of course, we get to spend a lot of time together, so a lot of the hunts that we've done are really memorable, but I think some of those were, you know, the special times are when you get to go with somebody in your family member that you don't always get to hunt with, or, you know, I'd love to hunt with my dad more, but work just, you know, keeps us from doing that too much, and so that was just a pretty special moment for me to take my dad, and, you know, we both killed our biggest elk on the trip, so probably my most memorable one. Well, what is I don't know. I, I hate to even complain about saying I have a bad hunt, and I, I know this is going to sound kind of cliche. I just am appreciative about getting to go hunting, you know, uh, enjoying the time out there. And I hope all of you feel this way too that when you kill the critter or whatever, that's just the cherry on top. I mean, for the guys that are going out there and expecting, like, well, I didn't kill anything, and, and they're all bummed about it and then upset and got their uh, <coughs> lips worked out, well, to me, that, that, uh, they're not doing the hunting for the right reasons. I mean, there's so much more to hunting than just. You know, killing the critter. Like I said, that's just a cherry on top. The coming to the national conventions like this, the fellowshipping with all your your other fellow hunters and outdoorsmen, and going shopping at the stores, and reading the magazines, and looking up stuff online, and reading all the blogs and the podcasts, and learning all about the new products that are coming out. That all just kind of adds to the ingredients of when you get to go share hunting camp. Those work days that you're at uh, at your lease, or you're going out to the public land and stuff, and you're getting to you know, chop limbs and put in food plots and, you know, put out bait sites and stuff like that. All of those and, and getting data from your trail cameras adds to the pride factor, I like to call it, of killing the critter. So I hate to complain too much about that, but um, off, I got off subject a little bit there. But my, I guess the one that I, I was trying to sit here and think is that as they were talking, 
I, one one memorable hunt. I was a uh, all dad hunting actually. We wasn't filming or anything. We was down in the Davis Mountain Range in Southwest Texas, and uh, one of the guys in the group had shot an all dad, and we went to track it. He had shot it. Thought he made a good shot, but you know because we weren't filming it, we couldn't see exactly where he had shot. And he was so excited. It was a big all dad and uh, one that had been coming into this area and, and, and using the rim rock. So we went to track it, and we went to tracking it down in these gullies and stuff and. In this part of Texas, and some of y'all have probably been in some real remote areas, you don't see street lights. I mean, there ain't nothing out there. I mean, we're real close to the Mexican border, right near uh, Del Rio. And he, this one guy had showed us the day before where there were backpacks. He called it Backpack, backpack Hollow. And what it was is where the illegals were coming across the line and dumping their backpacks. So, the, the, you know, there was illegals coming across this property, and we are hunting all that. So we're out there in the middle of the night, and it's uh, New Year's Eve. And it's, it's cold, I mean, it, it's, temperatures are getting down there kind of cool, and we're trailing this Audad forever and ever, looking at the, the blood trail and the Cleachy Rock, and we're going down through there, and we're getting down in this hole, and you get turned around real easy. And then we, we was kind of lost, and we had a, a UTV up at the top of the hill, way back up at the top of the hill. And when I'm saying way, it might not be way to y'all, but it's 50 way yards or so. <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, seriously, we was getting kind of concerned and we, we got the all that and we were all high-fiving and it was like we had no idea really which way to go. I mean, because there's no roads, there's no, I mean, we didn't really know which way to go. And the only thing that, that I shouldn't say the only thing, we'd have got our way about it, but we could have walked the wrong way for a long ways before we got our bearings, but we were sitting there trying to figure everything out. We gutted that all day and we've been celebrated and high-fived and took a few pictures and now it's like, man, we, we was kind of concerned how to get back to the UTV or even closest road or no cell phone service, couldn't call nobody back at camp or nothing like that. So about that time it struck midnight, which was New Year's Eve. We could, we could see way off in the distance, way off in the distance, we knew that that was Sonora. And then there was fireworks going off, so we knew don't go that way. We need to go this way. TV. So, uh, I mean, that's just a little old story. But that was a little, you know, I was going to have to walk an extra hundred and something yards. I was when you guys get, when you're, and when you're in a group and you get to a, to an animal like that, you say, "That's not my dad. It's not your dad. That's our dad." That's <laughs> as far as a memorable hunt, um, golly, there's so many memorable ones. I. I Shot a eight-point buck here at my house on my recurve, and, and it was only like 110 inches or 100 inches big. But man, I'm so proud of that because I killed it with a recurve. I always want to do that. But one one story I'll tell y'all that um, it's it was the first year of bone collector, and I've been putting in. If y'all have ever hunted Iowa, you have to put in for it. It usually takes about four years to draw that Iowa archery tag. Well, I had drawn this tag even before or knew I was going to draw it before we even started bone collector. So this was the first year of bone collector, and I was going. Hell or high water, I was going. Whether we filmed it or not, I was going to put in my time. I'd been wanting this, and, and I'd always wanted a buck, you know, 150 inches or bigger in the Midwest. And, and uh, anyway, we carved out some time, and we, we were just figuring everything out with Bone Collector. Didn't have the right camera guys or, or didn't know who could go what. And Nick's ran a great camera for a long time, so uh, it worked out good that Nick could come down from South Dakota, and he met me in Iowa. And it was just so memorable because of, you know, we, we were all just – you know, barely getting by, I guess you could say, scratching out, and I'm so proud of our humble beginnings. And Nick comes down in his forerunner. He's got an old Toyota forerunner. He's got a trailer that we could load down with uh, 
the, the all the stands. And when I say a trailer, guys, I'm telling you, we called it the racket trailer because it looked like, I mean, the wheels was barely bigger than a dinner plate. I'm telling you, it was, you it was one of the trailers. Yeah, and you could, you could haul. I, if we killed two deer, we couldn't haul it out. And it was and it was one of them ones that tracks behind the forerunner, just doing like this. <laughs> no rhyme it was. It was so awesome. So we had all the stands on there. Whitetail Properties had given this, uh, told us this piece of property that we could hunt. We had hunted um, the first of the season, hunted about five or six days with Lee and Tiffany, and they ain't got good ground, so I didn't kill no deer on there. So I had to come back. <laughs> Whitetail Properties um, had let us have this track of land. They'd never hunted it. They just said, hey, we got this track of land. It's in the unit that I've drawn. Have at it. Y'all go scout it. Uh, Gabe Adair come over there and kind of showed us the guidelines. And then me and Nick went to scout, and we scouted it, put up some trail cameras, we hung our own stands, and uh, Nick and I went in there on about the third or fourth morning when the wind was right for this certain area, and we rattled and snort wheezed. Uh, Nick and Nick laid down some great footage. The buck just did perfect. It was a in the timber hunt, wasn't a food hunt. It was, you know, all the things that you're going to check off to have the ultimate pride factor hunt. He he did everything to a T. He was walking away. We called him back and shot him, and he died, you know, in about 50 or 60 yards, and. And uh, I, well, I got, yeah, I got, a, I got emotional, you know, I, I started tearing up and I'm like, man, I, I, you know, you don't know what's to come. You don't know how Bone Collector is going to do or anything like that. And I was just so happy to be, you know, part with these guys. We were starting Bone Collector and I took four years to draw that tag and I got it. And it's like, man, my big old fat butt done killed me, 115. <laughs> I was so happy. So that, uh, and it was because it was the start of Bone Collector. So that was a real memorable hunt to me, but you know, hunting with my dad early on, I remember, I know you're gonna laugh, but having my pockets slammed full of Halloween candy and going squirrel hunting with my dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hearing the, hearing the drums from the local high school games in the background. And you know, have squirrel hunting with your dad and just all those things make great memories for for uh, you know what sets to be all of our hunting careers. I mean I'm I'm sure all of y'all have same similar stories to that and you know, I fall asleep every time I go hunting with my dad. My son, he's 13 and a half now, but when he goes hunting with me, uh, whether it's a dove hunt, a duck hunt, or you know, just sitting in the stand, those are all just so memorable. And, and even just taking anybody that's you know, kind of new to hunting just means so much to see how you, you know, they're going through what we did you know, years and years ago so that you can actually live through them and their, their excitement. So uh, you know, it, it's, hunting just keeps on giving and giving and giving in my eyes. There's no doubt. Deer grow up east coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th I, yeah. I think what T-Bone hit on and really what was saying up here, and it's funny, uh, I've been known to get on Facebook and do these rants, you know, I get frustrated in the hunting industry, and I've been, I've been blessed to work in the hunting industry, but there's always a lot of things I, I've never liked about it, and what I mean about it is obviously industry exists because you got people that do things uh, you know whether it's golf or football then you have an industry and a, a sporting goods industry and hunting obviously there's an industry because obviously there's people like us who want product we want to hunt we're going to look for camouflage guns utvs atvs whatever it is but a lot of times there's a disconnect between the industry and really people like us in my opinion and so when it really gets down to it I finally started looking at, at a lot of stuff that's going on within the hunting industry and, and people ask me all the time like man what's this what, how do you feel about you know where hunting is right now? And it, it's funny because like when you're at a show like this, it feels great, and, and and I love to hunt. And I think the main thing that it feels great when you hear these stories like T-Bone, even Nick, even myself. And make no mistake, one thing I'll tell you about us, and really anybody that you see on TV, we're very spoiled when it comes to where we get a chance to hunt. Um, but but the difference 
I think that we do have over some of, if you want to call them competition, I don't even call them competition because I think any personality or TV show, if you do a show, it should be to encourage people to go hunt, period, to help move the needle to make sure our culture grows, not goes away. So you either, you know, in life, I think you're either an asset or you're a liability. And in some cases, some of the TV shows are become a liability to our, our culture as far as the way they represent it. But at the end of the day, I think of these stories we tell, and I'm sure if everybody had a chance to grab this microphone and tell us about your most memorable hunt, the key word is is fun. It, it, it's, it's just simply fun. There, there's passion, there's family, and, and I've learned that if you have fun doing something, you're always gonna take it to the next level. Uh, you know, people ask me I like to bow hunt or rifle hunt. I, I definitely like to bow hunt probably more. However, had it not been for an old Remington 742 30 off six, I probably would have never picked up a bow. So in other words, after I finally done emptied enough clips of them 180 grain corlocks on does and spikes, that's what led me to say, man, I mean, yeah, anything, yeah. You know, it's like, well, maybe I'm gonna shoot a little bigger deer and, man, what about just bow hunting? So then a compound bow led me to buying my first recurve. And obviously uh, I've shot a few deer with a recurve enough to know that if I had to eat what I shot with a recurve, I'd starve to death, so I went back to my compound. <laughs> but, uh, but at the end of it, I think, especially now, and, and granted, you know, I've been coming here since I was a kid, and, and a lot of you guys I've known, we're all getting a little older, you know, and it's good to see a lot of young folks in the room meet for the first time here, but I look out across here, a lot of you guys have had a chance to hunt with and share camp with, certainly had a chance for us to enjoy each other's families here at this show as we, you know, come up and have a good time, and kick our heels back a little bit and stay lost as last year's Eastern Day trying to find out where we at in the Hotel. But um, I, I definitely think the number one thing now we got to get back to is is taking the the male ego out of hunting, taking the macho man. I, I've always thought, you know, you know, guys, when we look at, you know, our ladies and, and a lady looks at a man, probably the most unattractive thing about a man is our egos and we all got them every man got a little bit of ego and we gonna bow up every once in a while and strut around like a bandy rooster but i just don't think insecurity or ego sells anything great maybe unless you you know maybe unless you're a rapper they seem to do a pretty good job being cocky and arrogant and blowed up but when it comes to hunting i think when it comes to our kids especially our wives and i'm certainly not saying the wives don't already hunt a lot of you wives i've met y'all y'all shoot more than anybody in the club y'all the best a lot of you guys are like god is she gonna get back in the club Gee. but uh, when it gets down to it if it's fun when something is fun it doesn't matter if it means go downstairs to that cool zone and go try to climb that wall or play an arcade game if you strip out any insecurities and your macho or your our egos there's so much we can have fun you know so in my opinion, I've been thinking about a lot. I think something simple as squirrel hunting can save our industry. I think something simple as taking our shotguns and going crow hunting, you know, can save it. I don't think trying to concentrate on he's five and a half and he's got to score this. He better be 150 if he don't make Pope and Young. And by the way, if he shot that, man, I can't believe that. I, that, that deer's got milk on his lips. I don't think that works. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm against whitetail management. I'm big into that. I think it's come a long way. QMA is allowed a lot of us to shoot bigger deer. But I think the, the more I kind of really study it, and I feel like now I'm more of a student of hunting more than, than an instructor, um, especially with these old knuckleheads. I mean, good night, if you was in a camp with us, we, we never quit picking on each other, riding each other, playing jokes, 
but there's a lot of love and at the end of the day whatever we're doing um you know we go and we want to have the most fun we're getting ready to go next week to that squirrel master classic and literally like me and nick we become the squirrel nazis and we're over there like dude t-bone better get his butt in gear i'm telling you he, he better get up his, you know and i'm telling my dad like i'm getting my kids and we're getting so fired up but at the end of the day we're in around my camper and just figuring out how we can somehow just beat the snot out of Jackie Bushman with the squirrel thing, you know what I mean? And just rim on him and ride him, and, and, and we just have the best time. And obviously, nobody worried about how old, a, you know, how old a squirrel is when you shoot him with a pellet rifle. You're just going to have fun. So, I think at the end of the day, you know, each and every family here, when I get a chance to talk to you guys, hear you hunting stories. I think we all do it because we enjoy it. It's fun, and I think sometimes the industry has gotten too serious. Um, I saw a turkey hunt the other day on Outdoor Channel, and you would have thought. Uh, it was a near-death experience to hunt a Merriam turkey in Nebraska. So I'm thinking if a woman don't know any better, and I've been trying to say, man, you should go turkey hunting with us. Like, I don't want to do that. The guy's staying in a wall tent about died, you know? I'm like, no, it's not. And so I think the key word is completely fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And take from the outdoors what the good Lord has allowed us to. I don't think it's anybody in particular. I don't think it's any one brand. I don't think it's Johnny Marsh's. I don't think it's... You know, Cabela's, I don't think it's Gander Mountain or Sportsman's Warehouse or Dick's Sporting Goods. It's really all. It's, it's each and every one that's mine. And I think the good Lord gave it to us. And I've always stood firm behind the fact that, that I don't think hunting is a privilege. A lot of people think, oh, it's just a privilege to get to hunt. I mean, it's more than that. If you really look at it, we all got to eat something. And thank goodness, if you look at us around here, we understand the pecking order of things. It's really a God-given right. I mean, if... if all of a sudden, there's not a grocery store, and you go back and look at the Great Depression, they certainly wasn't worried about a five-and-a-half-year-old deer. They was worried about supper. And if somebody had some good, decent strings that wasn't rusting on a guitar, you can make music on the porch and eat rabbit, eat squirrel, eat deer, elk, whatever. So when it gets down to it, I, I think the hunting, good Lord gave it to us. He gave us those renewable resources to conserve, to, to enjoy. And I think there's nothing wrong with us laughing and cutting up and I've always thought that it's easier to sell honey with a smile than a grimace, you know, or, you know, and so uh, th that's my whole thing and how I think. So, you know, when I, when I come here, I think that's what's so fun. Everybody comes by our booth and we always got some, Lord, you might come in, we might be playing Motley Crue, we might be playing Michael Jackson, but we just like to have fun. I mean, and I tell people all the time, you might not like us or you might think we're goofy or whatever, you might out hunt us, but I'd be dang, you ain't gonna out fun us. <laughs> And so at the end of the day, that's what I think, you know, hunters and we all got to do is enjoy it. And if you're a husband that loves to hunt and having a hard time getting away because you got a lot of chores and maybe it is your lady that wants you there, and vice versa, maybe a lady that you want to hunt, but you got a husband that don't hunt. I mean, I encourage us all to, to come to deer camp or go hunting and make it fun. If that means investing in a redneck line where your lady can stay warm and eat Skittles and look at Pinterest when she's <laughs> up there and then she's still gets a buck, I I don't think I don't think it matters. I don't I don't think it matters how how we go about it because I've got five kids. We've all got youngins, and I've got a my seven. My little girl was seven years old. She shot a you know deer. She shot a turkey. So if my seven year old little girl, who is just all girl, can be successful hunting, anybody can. It don't matter if you're black, white, rich, poor, you know, Indian, Mexican. It doesn't matter. Liberal conservative, Republican, or Democrat, that's the one beautiful thing about hunting. Everybody can do it. And it's not because we all of a sudden have that ability to do it. We have the God-given right to do it. And sometimes we forget that. And society has changed it where it's really nice we can pull in the Wendy's and get a double cheeseburger, 
go to Whataburger and get a water catch or whatever. But you know, if you got down to it years ago, and a lot of these older generations can tell you, you know, what a what a mess of squirrels meant, you know, to the family and mom and making some cat head biscuits and going on from there. So uh, so definitely for me, the reason I enjoy being here and the reason I enjoy hunting. I love to shoot a big deer and I love to kill a long spurred turkey, but anything I do, I do it because it's fun and I don't think there's anything more fun and enjoyable than, than the outdoors and spending time with people that look like us. I mean, I think- Can I get an amen? Hey, Kim. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I'll say, that I'll say about that while I'm on that little bit of rant, and T-Bone, actually a friend of ours, kind of hit this with this idea, but uh, I've said it several times and uh, in society, especially politics nowadays, is what you have in politics is, sure there's separation. All of us don't always agree with each other's view on, on say, politics. That's the beauty of America. It ain't like we're gonna get beheaded because obviously we, we disagree. We can talk about the president, you know, whether whether we don't like him or we do like him, it, it doesn't matter. But it's nice relief in America, we can, we can have that discussion. But when it comes down to it, what I found, especially with a radical, liberal movement a lot of times i see that somebody dressed like me you know you guys you know old beat up cowboy boots or work boots camouflage hat maybe it's a mom that you know wears wears some jeans and she might wear them a little too tight but they old worn out wranglers and their favorite fitting jeans and some other lady judges her because they don't think she's as sophisticated as she should be and she's the old redneck woman or we're the old redneck joker we're this day we're hillbillies we're hicks but i'm gonna tell you what i've learned when I look out here, what I love about it is, I don't know all you guys, but there is something that bonds us together is, I understand immediately that our culture of what we enjoy in life, we got something in common. More than likely, I can name off a few things. We love to hunt, love to fish, love our family. I guarantee you, everybody in here, whether we're a hellraiser or not, we love God. We, we, we always, whatever we do at the end of the day, like, I'm sorry, or please God help me. You know, we, we love America. Most of us, how many of you guys served in the military out there? Each and every one of you guys, every one. I guarantee you. And what I love about seeing and recognizing people in the military, obviously you didn't give your life, you didn't have to, but I guarantee you signed up and it came to an event that your life would have been taken, you would have gave it to this country. And that can't be said for a lot of these, these cultures that are fighting for this insane stuff. However, if you're like me, I don't, I don't care what people do, to be honest with you. But I do care that we have an opportunity to do what we love to do. So the whole narrative of you're going to accept me, you're going to love me while I remain to never accept you and always hate you, that doesn't work. And that's what's happening. And so what I finally realized when I've raised my kids, I've always told them, never judge a book by its cover, never judge somebody. And I'm slowly starting to gravitate away from that, and I kind of do it mainly when I look out in this room and think about what I wear. Every day I get up and, you know, I put on a, a hat, and my wife's like, you ain't got one thing with our logo on it. So everything I got's got Gamo or Real True or Phone Collector, <laughs> Hoy, whatever, Thompson Center. You know, because that's what I've either bought or I've been lucky to be gifted to me. And so, uh, I'm always, I always look like a redneck for the most part. I always got a camouflage hat on and work boots, and I very rarely look like a, a businessman. And, um, and I get looking, a lot of times you see that here, and I finally realized that there's nothing wrong with judging that because I finally told my little girl, she come to me, she said, Daddy, this was in all the school shootings, and, uh, and I can say this to this crowd in here, especially you young kids, my little girl said, Dad, if for some reason the school is getting shot up, what would I do? 
And it's funny, I was like, I couldn't believe she asked me that question. I'm like, well, I can tell you what you're doing, honey. I, I, you know, try to find cover, because she kind of caught me off guard. I said, try to find cover, and if you can find a way to get out and escape, to get far away from this person doing this damage, you, you go, you, you flee, you run. And I said, and then it hit me, I said, you run until you see somebody looks like your papa. You run until you see a jacked up four wheel drive truck, and then boy, I got on the road. Yeah, so. <laughs> You run out there and find a man who looks like that guy right there. He's got on some old New Balance tennis shoes and a mossy oak shirt. And he's got an NRA sticker on the back of his truck. You run until you find a woman driving an old beat-up minivan that's got a dead gun bone collector sticker on it. And she's got a Remington probably under that seat of that van. You find somebody who looks like he's got so much oil and grease on his jeans that it needs changing the oil and worse in his truck. And you jump in their car. And I said, he's going to have calloused hands. And she's going to grab you. She's probably going to have on blue jeans. She ain't going to be dressed that nice. But I'm going to tell you, you look and you find somebody that reminds you of the people that you're around every day. So I want you to, at that moment of danger, you judge each and every person. Because he's in a business suit and he's got on Italian shoes. Run right past him. <laughs> He looks like Obama. Keep running. All of a sudden, you run down through there, and he looks like this dude right here. You stop and jump in his truck. You ain't got to say nothing, because he's going to have a gun under his seat. He's going to have some potted meat, vine sack, sausage, and some soda crackers, and hot sauce. And I'm going to tell you right now, he will protect you, or she will, until you find your daddy. So I've told you all your life not to judge. But by God, you judge. And so I finally have become proud of being a blue-collar redneck, hillbilly hick. Somebody likes to hunt. Some of my biggest heroes are dead. They were kin people of mine. They were aunts, they were uncles, and they worked hard every day. And they would protect anybody in this room. And, and if something broke out right now, right now, if something happened, something crazy started happening, I can promise you whatever evil that lurks, we will defeat it, and it won't even hardly make news worthy because there will be more headlocks and gorgeous George torture acts, steel toe boots up somebody's head, and somebody will be packing anyway, even though they ain't supposed to be. They pack. <laughs> so when it gets down to it, in this world, especially you ladies, we walk in these nice restaurants, like, oh my God, you didn't tell me this is nice, and there's folks judging us, or there's folks judging us because we probably should have trimmed our beards, and maybe we should have wore a button-down shirt and we wore an old bone clicker t-shirt. Let me tell you something. By God, I think we're the biggest assets in America. And for what? For us, this country has been gone a long time ago. We founded this country, and we're going to be the ones to protect it long after all this other crazy nonsense. And I don't understand. So thank you guys for being y'all. And thank y'all for giving me the image I can have my kids with Y'all make me more proud every moment when I get a chance, especially at that booth over there. Y'all come by and we get to, man, you know, it, it makes you feel good when I can grab one of y'all's youngers and throw them up in the air. And y'all like, oh, he's hanging with Waddy. Look at there, you know. And it's like, <laughs> give me a hug, you know, and vice versa. Y'all hug my kids. And to me, it, it's just an immediate bond. And we don't know each other that well, but where else can you go and have that immediate, just you feel like we know each other. So in reality, T-Bone says it best. It's like a redneck cup rally, man. That's what it is. You know? so, anyway, I, I definitely appreciate it. I'd like to team on and ask you stuff like that, too.
Yeah, well, how, do, how much longer we got? You got, you got time. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody got any more questions? Yeah, so we back questions. Here, yeah, go ahead, bud. Ball Collector album. The Ball Collector that was a, I came to this thing seven years ago, and you had Red Aikens and a bunch of guys up playing guitar with you. That was the coolest thing ever. And then it came out with an album, and that opening day song, Yes, I played every opening day in the song. <laughs> that was that was that was cool, and that was actually Red and um, Dallas's um, idea. And they, I, you know, at the time we was doing obviously the TV show, and so you have to license music. You know, a lot of you guys who might be presenting your license music library. And I thought, man, we never put together a cool hunting album. Which, if you ever know, who, who plays guitar out here? Plays and sings a little bit, but, you know, quite a song, but. Man, it's the hardest thing to write a hunting song that don't sound so corny and stupid. I've tried to many times, you know. So we decided we were the best in the industry, and they wrote some of this, this music that we had. And it just simply, for us, it was an investment. At least we could use some of these songs on our TV show. But uh, that's one thing that we, we was proud to do. And man, it's a really good album, the Bone Collector album he's talking about. If you go to iTunes, you can download it. It's just the Bone Collector album. And um, The Brotherhood, I think it's called. But anyway, uh, we've been talking to Rhett in Dallas, and bunch of singers about putting together another and writing some more songs and doing it just you know just a whole other brand of country music it's country music we need some country and country music <laughs> and just to kind of add to that you know um well since then well i mean even even during then but even since then red and dallas which they're probably the two if if not the two oddest songwriters in country music right now so they've been They've been busy kind of uh, making real money rather than writing. Yeah, they've been busy hauling around number one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it has been talked about having a, a part do, I guess you could say. So uh, anyway, I know what else been talking about it, and, and and they actually formed their own uh, record company, didn't you? Yeah, we did about Georgia Moore Music. Yeah, Georgia Moore Music. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just like all successful. I'm a music producer. Yeah, all successful. <laughs> <laughs> we got three chains right here. <laughs> man had a question. <laughs> did you see Timbo on the, he's the first one to leave on the ghost? How many points that book of Mike USA? <laughs> Look, man. Y'all either loving it or y'all hate that dang show. And, and I appreciate y'all giving give us good comments. We've had we've had a fun time. That's been pretty awkward and different. But you right, T Bone come up and went running out of that house when he heard it. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's because it's kinda like when you're in grizzly bear camp. The slowest guy's gonna get caught by the grizzly bear. <laughs> Get out of here now. <laughs> 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 I need a head start. <laughs> yeah, I was protecting Chip if I had it home. <laughs> 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 we do appreciate y'all. Somebody's gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You had one. What is it? His wife did with the money. Did he take it back, Robert? Hey, look, <laughs> hey, you know what wives do with the money. No, we didn't get that money back. No, it's probably at Target or, or somewhere. Probably, man, how many of you guys, y'all's wife, the, the, the relationship with the UPS and FedEx driver is like so good. Like, I, every time, <laughs> my wife will try to beat me home sometimes because she's afraid of what's on the front porch of all the different packages, you know what I mean? So I, they'll be out in their yard and they're having tea with the FedEx guy. Oh, my God. Needless to say, uh, this Amazon and these, these online stuff is pretty it's pretty nice uh, with the people in and out of my yard that has delivery trucks all the time. But we're we're pretty lucky, you know, we've all got really pretty wives and great great girls and 
Um, you know, they could be shopping at Macy's and and uh, all this expensive stuff, but luckily for me, my wife loves Target. So, you know, she always looks good and all that stuff, but she's not she's not out there spending a ton of money on those expensive stores. So that's that's, that's what you think. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. Nick, I've never heard her say Target. It's always Target. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Oh, uh, Herman, should Waldell talk about this guy named Grady? Where did you get the name Grady? The Grady, what is funny, uh, Grady is a Remington Ludmay 7 shotgun. You're right, I nicknamed it Grady. Um, I, I nicknamed, I was always a big, big fan of, of Fred Sanford, Sanford's son. And I had, I got, I got a gun named Lamont, I got one named Grady, and one named Esther. So the Grady's my all-time favorite. See, I'm taking you on back. Actually, that was T-Bone's gun to start with, and it was gravy. That little shotgun, I won it in a turkey collar contest back in, I mean, I was just out of high school, and I won that gun, and it was a black, it was a black gun, maybe seven, and, um, and I went and had it dipped. I've had it dipped probably three different times, just chasing different real tree patterns. And, uh, and it's funny, that, game, that gun become kind of famous amongst friends that we met in the industry. Because I remember Dale Earnhardt, the late, you know, he used to come turkey every year. He would always, hey, Waddell, I want that gravy. I want to use gravy. Like, yes, sir, you need gravy. So Jeff Fox really killed the turkey with gravy. Um, I think Chipper Jones shot one with it. Dead gun. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, Dale Earnhardt, Richard Childress, all kind of NASCAR drivers, all kind of celebrities. Have you, Nick? I know I have. I shot one with him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I never took team on her. <laughs> that's a fact. That's something I'm a little, that's one of the worst hunts I've never been on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's the truth, guys. I'm telling you the truth. We've been friends even before Bone Collector. Oh, yeah. And I, I've been in camp with him, but I've yet to sit down at the same tree and try to shoot yeah. a turkey with him. He's never shot shared his cheese curds with you. <laughs> we can make a deal. That's, why, that's what we always say. T-Bone's favorite hunting is bow fishing because the fish don't run them to hear that Cheetos back. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a lot of fun, especially my kids. If they were to get to go hunting, like, Dad, can we go? Can, you know, it don't matter if it's the hotel or the hunt. They're like, Dad, can we go to T-Bone's room? Can we go home with T-Bone? Because they know T-Bone got some good snacks. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, we have a good time, man. And, and, and that's funny. I don't know if y'all sent camps this way. You know, a lot of people get so serious. If we're ever, like, not picking on each other or, or, or saying some goofy stuff, we think we might be mad at each other. Because, you know, if you're not... You don't see which way the picking goes, right? <laughs> that means we love people. Hey, he always says, he always says, you know, load the, load the wagon. Don't worry about the mule. How's that go? Yeah, yeah don't worry about the mule. Load the wagon. <laughs> I just feel I feel blessed. We're going into our 12th season of Bone Collector, and it has gone by so fast. Like I I can't even I can't even tell you how fast it's gone. And working with these two has just been it's a joy. You know, working with your with your two best buddies and, and being able to make a nice living and uh, just having fun, getting to go hunt all over at the greatest places. I mean, like Waddell said before, we're just so lucky at the places we get to go hunting. And uh, just, to, just to have the team that we have, and a lot of people, when they look at Bone Collector, they think it's some big, huge company or something, but really, there's, there's three guys that work at the office. Uh, we got Ryan in social media, we got Colin that does video and, and the editing, and then we got Jackson that does 
all the business stuff in the office, and then the three of us. So we're whoa, leaving. whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not forget about the seed dropper. Oh yeah, Pop Waddell. Pop Waddell. He fixes anything. Stand that's, up, that's Pop. Pop. Hey, where are you, Pop? Sorry, Pop. I got that. Yeah, we got we even we even got us an accountant for the first time. There you go, John. We got a bean counter now, guys. But we, but we just got a we just got such a great team, and you know everybody's everybody pulls their own weight, and, and uh, it's just an honor for me to get to work with these guys. And I just can't say enough about everybody that we work with because everybody everybody just does such a great job and has a good attitude, and it's just a fun place to work. And you know I'm I'm just blessed to get to be here, and, and I want to thank you guys for. Letting me come along and go on this ride because it's to, to me, you know, hunting's my, been my life. It's something I've loved, you know, from from the first day I ever went and to, to be able to do this for a living and get to spend time with guys like you, man. I'm telling you, it's been something else. So. We'll like. And with that, today's my last day. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Same. Yeah. Just kidding. It'd be awkward to fire him now. <laughs> it is I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> It is amazing what Nick was saying is. It's, it's funny, like, seriously, I think that's one reason we enjoy here so much and it's become such a, like a family deal, just the relationship that, that we have, our whole team does, my dad back there, my mom, my wife, my little my little youngin running around, or youngins, I got plenty of youngins, all of them couldn't be here, obviously, they at school, but uh, it, it really is, it really is amazing, I mean, I've never been cease to amaze of the, of the hunting culture and, and, and the people that represent it. And sure, yeah, we meet a few people come through the line like, gee, and y'all meet them here, you're like, man, that dude's got a gun. <laughs> He's gonna be hunting this year, you know what I mean? Like, you, you meet some crazy folks. Y'all know y'all met some down there blowing possum calls and everything else down there. <laughs> but, uh, but when it gets down to it, it's just such a natural, I hate to use the word organic, it sounds too fancy, but it, there's something that, that's special. Uh, that, that reminds me and sometimes even in one thing I'll say uh, about having a company like Bone Collector I've never claimed to be a businessman as a matter of fact I felt like I'm far from it I, I you know I don't have a, a college education I graduated high school in, in turkey hunting and barely. yeah turkey yeah barely yeah, yeah kids don't look up to us in academics I can just promise you D's get degrees I heard people say C's no D's D's and y'all's mama whoop y'all and y'all get bees, you know. So so when it gets down to it, we've learned a lot about business. But uh, the one thing I realized is is if you can represent hunting for what it truly is, and we don't always all have to agree on that and, and truly just enjoy what you do, uh, good things will come. And so it's, it's only come, though, because of you guys. Because as I talked about, people like y'all that work hard every day, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, we know we, know we come exactly where y'all come from. I mean... You know, our wives or our mothers done exactly exactly what the mothers out here do, the ones that like to hunt. I, you know, I, I know what a, a typical Monday, Tuesday through Friday is. It's, you know, dad getting up and trying to figure out how to make a living. Mama's trying to make a living. Mama's trying to get snotty nose, you know, and get to brush your teeth and clean your room. And, you know, how come you didn't bring the towels up? And, you ain't, you know, yeah, you ain't got no clean underwear because you at least couldn't even dump them in the floor there, boy. You know, whatever it might be. And then you run and you, you run to school and tardy bell rings at eight and you get them at eight oh two and then mom's running off to a job, dad's running to another job. He took the twelve year old boy to middle school while you took them to this school and run around and at the end of the day you go and you got a boss that you know ain't giving you credit for what you want. Then you're trying to what you're doing, then you're trying to figure out if you should get in a hunting club, but then you get in a hunting club and 
spend a thousand dollars and maybe save up a little more and go get an eighteen hundred dollar Hoyt bow and you know forty dollar pack of broadheads and then you saw me and Nick and T-Bone talk about you got to have the new Bushnell Art Rangefinder so you save up and buy that. Of course you don't tell your wife you bought that because you didn't you already spent too much money. And then all of a sudden Saturday comes around and you want to go hunt. Well guess what? The little girl's got a dance or something. And then your wife says, honey, you know, we, we ain't even been on a nice romantic date in forever, so I'd rather you not go Saturday night. And, you know, we was going to go on that date, you promised me. And so next thing you know, one thing gets leads to the next, and then all of a sudden you get a Saturday that you can go and you shoot an eight-pointer that you were so proud of, and then some jerk at the hunting club pulls up and says, I can't believe you shot him. I've been looking walk the last, you know, year. <laughs> so about that time, do, do we ever get to the point like I think I'm just going to buy a pontoon boat. This hunting stuff is stressful. And so at the end of the day, a company like Bone Collector, for you guys to come down and stand in line to, to tell us your story and show us a picture of a deer you shot uh, or, or a picture of a deer that your wife shot or wife showing us a picture of something they shot or their kids or experiences, we'll stand there all day long. If y'all are spending y'all's hard earned money on a hat and T-shirt, we come from that same neck of the woods that y'all did so there's a lot of places and a lot of places y'all can throw y'all's financial support for y'all to you know support us i promise you we don't take it for granted and if it wasn't for y'all not this industry a lot of people you know say well man so and so gave you your break or this guy or this guy and i can tell you who gave me my break and i can tell you who gave t-bone and nick a break and we get to do what we do it's because of y'all i mean make no bones about it if it's not people like you guys or all of us there is no hunting industry. There is no hunting culture. And so uh, from the bottom of my heart, I can promise you, thank you all for giving us an opportunity. And look, and with that, if we do something you don't like, you grab us and you tell us. You come by there, you tell us on Facebook, and, you, and I promise you we'll get back to you because we realize we're blessed and we get a chance to hunt some places that y'all might not ever get a chance to go to. I know a lot of times y'all saving your money, you might look for that one spot, which by the way, if you, if you, if you are saving up money and you're thinking, I want to do this, public ground hunt or private, don't ever hesitate to, to contact me, Nick or T-Bone, and we'll try to lead you in the right direction. But we get a chance to do some things that we don't even believe that's true. And so with that, you know, our job isn't trying to kill big deer. Our job is trying to help more people understand what we all already know of how hunting cool, how hunting, how fun hunting is, and what it means to our families. And, and uh, we want to fight to protect it. So, uh, thank y'all so much, man. I'm, I'm every year that goes by, you know, people, it's never been hard. All right, that's all I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the seminar with the Bone Collectors, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, what you'll need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter. Make it one word with no spaces, but text that to the number 44222. After you send that text out and follow some simple instructions from there, Eventually, I'm going to email a link to you that you can click on to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. So what you'll do when you click on that link is you will create your username and your password for the Podbean application, and you'll pay the $18 per year annual subscription fee for the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Your $18 will get you not only the rest of the seminar with bone collectors this week, but it will give you access to 
all of the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. There is a bunch of content locked up under the premium subscription, and that $18 that you would spend to have access to that for a full year is a drop in the bucket, and I don't think you'll regret your investment. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.